Hey, Ben, I'm really surprised that we don't see more missionaries in the spring. Was it? Because spring forth and be disciples. <laughs> to the Altered Podcast, where we honor God and the things He does, with your hosts, Hunter, Jessica, Ben, and Dina. Welcome to the Altered Podcast, where we honor God and the things that He does. I'm your co-host, Hunter, with my other co-host, Ben. Hi. Hello, friends. It is nice to see you again. And we're not even going to mention Dina. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here too. (sighs) Yep. Don't remind us. Yay. (laughs) I'm glad she's here. She's so pretty. I'm glad you're glad that I'm here. You know what's sad though? Next week you won't be with us. I will not. I will actually be with my sister-in-law with the Women of Joy Conference. So if you're going to be at the Women of Joy Conference, you should try to find me and say hi. Because according to our statistics or what analysis, whatever on our Anchor, demographics, that's on it. Yes. That's the word I was looking for. Yep. Um, 71% of our listeners are women. Yeah. Whoa. Is it went up that much? Yes. It has. Oh and it's God. been consistent. I thought it was just one of those fluky things, you know, that happened. No, no it's been, yeah, very it's been consistent for like the last like two weeks. 70, 71, 72. So I actually believe it now. Well, it's really bad. Um, to th- just because I know everybody loves your intros before the intros, so I figured if we stop that, men would start listening again. <laughs> or we have a ton of men, but just more women are biblical. I don't know, you know. Well, so, anyways, as what some people like to say. So last time we was on here, we was talking about Easter, and we was talking about Holy Week and Good Friday, and then Easter. So I think it's only natural that we talk about the mission after the resurrection that God, that Christ gives us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And what is that, Ben? What is that? Hmm? It is called the Great Commission. It's found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It is, go therefore, make disciples of all nations. Well, actually, I'm sorry, let's back up. And Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And I didn't even read that. Ha! Do you want a cookie? Like, <laughs> yes, I do. Here, yeah, here's like, Lily's like little sticker pad. I'll give you a Paw Patrol sticker. I deserve a sticker. Uh, you know, I'm only proud of memorizing that large of a portion of scripture because I'm so bad at memorizing <laughs> scripture. Um, but I feel like that one's like prerequisite to being a missionary. Like, you kind of have to have that one. Yeah. Um, Considering that's like your opening statement every time you go to a church and talk about Chi Alpha. True that. That and the uh, verse of Chi Alpha, which is Second Corinthians. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so we won't go there. So it's just natural to say, "Hey, Christ was rose from the dead." So now, what is the action that the Christ is supposed to take? That, uh, that the Christ is supposed to take the Christian. There you go. <laughs> it's, it's Hunter's ten, a little sleepy it's tonight. Ten, it's ten thirty. I mean, it is ten thirty. Yeah, we've we've started late tonight. Um, but the, what is the action that the Christian is supposed to take after his resurrection? Yep. And this is where we are and are still doing today. Yes. You know what we should do first, though. We should have an ad from our sponsor, which, by the way, I was mad. So I put the ad in Anchor. If you look in Anchor right now, <laughs> it shows the ad in our last episode. But I listened to our last episode, and it is not in there. I had two people at work come and you know, there was no ad. And I'm ticked off because you look in there right now. I haven't touched it. You this is why it. we tease you all the time about the 
10 seconds of nothing. This was that was an MOA, a mystery of automation, because <laughs> I put that in there and it didn't show up. It is not my fault, y'all. Not my fault. I would just like to show all the world right now. It is not my fault. You can't show them. They I have would, to listen I to I would it. like to tell all the world right now <laughs> that it is not my fault. Well, you know what? Let's see if you can redeem yourself this week. Uh, well, let's see if Anchor allows it to go through. Hey, you can't talk bad about the platform right before we do an ad. We do Anchor. need to do a new ad sometime soon. Anchor, I love you. Please. So soon, hopefully, you all will hear a new ad. Please let the, please let the ad go through this week. All right? Cool. And let's see if we can hit it. Well, and hey, well, there's either two rules of thought: either you're really disappointed because there's no <laughs> ad, or you're saying, "Hey, Ben, good job." Yep. So. Or that was a nice, like, ten second break of nothing. You know what I'm going to say? Good job, Ben, for <laughs> putting it in there, regardless of if what you all were able to hear it or not. Well, there's no participation trophies at the Ultra Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what we're about. There should be no participation trophies anyway. <laughs> so. This is one of our favorite segments of the show, and it's honoring God and what he has done this week. Mm. Ben, mm. go first. Oh, man. So this week, I have um, I've been back to work, right? And the Lord's just been really good. I've been praying about a situation that has nothing to do with, honestly, anything spiritual. Um, I, just, I just needed some help with some stuff. And God has been, ha- like, he's been setting up the things to happen. And so, um, yeah, it's just been really cool. Like just seeing God put together little pieces of things that honestly don't make a hill of beans difference in the spiritual world. Um, my phone system means nothing to Jesus probably, except for the fact that it means something to me and God's been helping me with it because I've been asking. And and you can call him on the main line. Uh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Tell him what you want. Anyway. So yeah, it's been cool. That's what God's been doing for me this week. Blessing the phone system. Dina. Well, a couple things. So one, I've had my BOGO book fair this week, and it's just really awesome. There's something that I do called All for Books, and it's something that Scholastic does and promotes, and it's where students can give money or parents or whomever can give money, and Scholastic will match it and give, um, and then I'm able to buy books and give them away. And it's just so awesome to watch kids come in and just give you 10, 15, 20 dollars and say, I want to help my friend buy a book. So that's really encouraging to see. And then um, also, I started a Bible study with um, one of the students, I guess you'd say, from our church who's getting ready to graduate high school. And so I met up with her at a local coffee shop and she brought a bunch of friends who want to start a new Bible study. So we have a new Bible study starting up next week. So it's really encouraging. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so this last couple of weeks at work, we've been merging a couple of departments together. Well, Hunter's patience has been going really thin because as I uh, said last week, I don't do well with stupid people. I can attest to the Hunter's patience. I have some essential oils that would be good for that. It would go with these demon oils. Uh, So... You shouldn't use demon oils, just so you know. Yeah, that's not what I use. I don't use them. Uh, But... You do too. Anyway. So whenever... (laughs) They're right over there. When people people like Tommy at work listens to this, they'll know. And he's just probably going to be like, oh, I understand. But we work for the government. So there's tons of stupid people. Um, And it's just like nothing ever gets done the way you want it to. Blah, blah, blah. And so I have lost my cool way too much. But this last week, it's been fairly well. I've been managing it okay. 
so um, with a lot of prayer and Bible reading, I just, uh, there's been some times where I'm like, you know what? I will walk away now. <laughs> Get some elders who had to like, you know, virtually lay hands on you. I pretty much got yelled at. His cool uh, kind of flew away. It, what? His cool flew away because they work on airplanes and stuff. Oh, okay. Ha, 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 Stupid. <laughs> Easy there. Ben. <laughs> Hunter's calling me names. Be nice to my wife. I said everybody. that was stupid. Be nice, buddy. Anyway, so Bible time. Right? Is yeah, because Hunter needs to learn more about the Bible. All right. Ben. She's telling the truth. <laughs> Y'all be nice to each other. We're Christians. Christians are supposed to be nice to each other. It is the way. All right. I've spoken. Uh, Bible time. So, this week we're talking about the Great Commission. And when we talk about the Great Commission, obviously, you must read the passage in the Matthew that talks about the Great Commission. And I quoted it already. So, hey, why don't you turn your phone on silent, sir? <laughs> Everybody always gets on to me about that. I'm going to get on with somebody else about that this time. Hunter's uh, off. He's sleepy. He's saying weird words. He's calling people names. Yeah. He's losing his cool. I'm telling you. It's okay, buddy. I'm very warm right now. You actually. know what? We love you anyway. Yeah, thanks. We do. So, let's talk about some Bible. Now, I already quoted it once because I'm pretty proud of that one, but that's okay. Uh, but Dina, would you read Matthew 18, 18 through 20 again, please? I'm sorry, 28, 18 through 20. <laughs> Again, please. I was like, um, I mean, I can, but I think I'm supposed to read Matthew 28, 18 what, through 20. What's funny is I, I said that and I went, oh, that's cool. That is Matthew 18, 18. No, it's 28, 18. Anyway. Close. Yeah. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Yeah. So this passage, man, that's one of these cool ones that, at least in Chi Alpha land, right? Because we were Chi Alpha missionaries, uh, not Hunter, but Dean and I are. Hunter was, and then he had babies and, and, and left the fold. Um, <laughs> but he stole his wife from Chi Alpha before he left, so that was okay. Um, but this is one of those things in Chi Alpha that we, we talk about a lot. Chi Alpha is a Matthew 28, 18 uh, fan. We talk a lot about the Great Commission and all the things it means for us. And so one of the big things in that passage, the question really becomes, what is the main focus? If you think about that, that passage right there, you'll hear it preached all the time and a preacher will be like, well, this is the thing that Jesus was saying us to do. This is the first thing of the whole thing. This is what we need to focus on. But if you look at really smart Greek people who know, not Greek people, but Greek <laughs> scholars, they know more, I'm getting tired too, who get, who know more about um, the way biblical languages were written than I do. They actually say that if you analyze this passage out, the main thought of the passage is not go, as a lot of people, oh, preachers love to preach about go. You need to go. No, the main point of this passage is to make disciples. And so when we look at Matthew 28, when we look at the Great Commission, um, when we think about it in the concept of Easter and what should we do just after Easter, we should really look at making disciples. Mm -hmm. And so the real question then is how do we do that? Yeah, that's it. So, well, I think the big thing is here, you know, just breaking it down, is that we have to rely on the authority that Christ has gained on heaven and on earth. Because mm. we cannot make disciples by ourselves. Mm. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit um, and ultimately through Christ that we 
are able to do this. That is that is where it starts, right? Um, you know, people love to quote the Great Commission, but they miss what I consider to be one of the most important things of the whole passage. It actually starts with Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so if you don't have the authority of Jesus while you're preaching the gospel, then you're probably a little out of line, right? Um, so it's it's a major thing that, that Jesus, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore. Now, anytime you see the word therefore in scripture, you should always find out why it is there for. <laughs> and so um, you need to know what came before it and what comes after. And the, the thing about that, the implication then is, that if all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus and he tells us to go, therefore, then that means we are going in his authority. And so, yes, yes, if we are um, going to do anything, we need to do it by Jesus' authority. Um, I put this, this passage in there just because it always stands out to me when I think about the authority of Jesus. Um, and this one comes out of a Luke passage. It says... Uh, the 72 returned with joy. Now, you say, who is the 72? The 72 are um, disciples of Jesus. Now, when you look at the disciples of Jesus, <clears throat> you kind of have to break it down just a little bit um, and look at the um, what I would call the core group of the disciples. You have the, really, you have the core three. Um, you have uh, James, John, and Peter, right? They're always with Jesus. It seems like they're there on the Mount of Transfiguration. They're there when Jesus does a lot of significant spiritual things. So you have the core three. Then you have the 12. And the 12 are the ones that when everybody else leaves, the 12 are still there. They're the original 12. They're really the ones that the gospel tracks um, all throughout the stories about Jesus. And so you've got the three and you've got the 12. But then around that, you have random numbers. I'll, call, I'll say it that way. You have random numbers of people that are following Jesus at any given point throughout the Gospels. In this case, in Luke chapter 10, you have the 72. But really, if you think about it, that's never the method. The whole group of, of disciples is really never the main method of Jesus. It's always the small group of disciples. He's always pouring into the faithful. Um, and so he's always pouring into the three and the twelve. Um, the 72, you never see him sit down with the 72, except for maybe like the Sermon on the Mount or one of those. You don't see him sit down and really talk to the 72 so much. You see him sit down with the 12 or the 3. Um, but in Luke chapter 10, uh, he had sent out the 72 to go um, to, to preach and to cast out demons. And he says, you know, don't take a bag, for instance, and, and don't take an extra cloak because I'm going to, you know, God's going to supply all your needs as you go and stuff. And so he sends them out. And then in Luke chapter 10, they return. And so it says the 72 return with joy. Excuse me. Saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And I always see this and think about when I think about the authority of Jesus, um, you know, what, what you see is that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil on earth, right? Um, and then you have this passage. And in this passage, he talks about that. He talks about how... Um, Satan fell like lightning from heaven. He's given them authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. Now, I do believe that our, our, our snake handling brethren are a little bit misled 
because they look at Mark 16, for instance, um, and they think that that means that I should hold serpents in my church services. I should drink poison in my church ser- in my church services. If I was going to read one text out of context, it would not be that one. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. Um, but I really think Luke 10 tells us that the serpents and the scorpions that it's talking about are spiritual serpents and scorpions. They're unclean spirits, that kind of thing. I think it's more along the lines of um, the the forces of Satan, the spiritual forces of Satan. Um, Jesus has given us authority over that. And so it says that nothing shall hurt you um, because... He's given us authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Um, so that always sticks out to me. But the thing that sticks out to me the most of all of that is the is the last line there. He says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So it's cool, right? It's cool that you can cast out demons and, and that the, the spirits of Satan aren't going to hurt you and all this stuff. But what's really cool, what's the thing you should focus on, the biggest thing of all of it? It's that your names are written in heaven. Um, and so I think that's the that's the, really the thing to focus on more than anything else. Yeah, don't celebrate in your works, but in the fact that your name is in heaven. Yeah, and then it's terribly ironic that Jesus does say um, that they will come to me one day and they'll say, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name and all this other stuff? And he says, depart from me, do of iniquity, I never knew you. Mm. And so it's interesting that this passage kind of has that same that same language as the passage in the Sermon on the Mount where he just says that too. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, just interesting. The, the authority of Jesus given to us to destroy the works of the devil, but primarily, I think, the Bible teaches us that it's given us to make disciples. Yeah, and discipleship, or disciple, it means, from Merriam-Webster, one who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrine of another, mm. such as Christianity. Um, so... It's really to be the one who helps build up someone's faith to help walk them through that. Um, and how do we do that is, is the key. Yeah. So how would you all suggest we do that? Well, Dina just mentioned some of it, right? It was a coffee shop and a new Bible study going on. But Bible study seems to be the most modern way that we put on discipling. But what are some other steps outside of Bible study? Yeah. Um, so the Great Commission gives us a couple of those, right? And that's what we're going to look at here in just a second. Before we get there, though, <clears throat> on the note of disciple, like you were talking about, the only good thing that I ever got from Rob Bell, because <laughs> he was a nut. Um, sorry, Rob Bell. Uh, love you, buddy. I, I hope you come back to, to, you know, the way of the Bible um, and the teachings <laughs> of the Bible. But um, one of the best things that Rob Bell ever taught was he talks about disciples and what did it mean to be a disciple? And there was this whole idea, um, this whole kind of phrase back in the day that may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And what Rob Bell talks about, one of his NUMA videos on dust. I remember that one specifically. Um, but he talks about how disciples were ones who would follow their teacher, their rabbi, their master so closely um, that literally the dust that he would kick up from his feet as he would walk would get all over them. Um, it's this idea that you're going to follow, um, the master to the point that you literally know everything about him. You know, the things that he would teach before he teaches it. When somebody asks a question, you know, the answer that the master will give because you've talked to him so much ahead of time about all the things that, that really could ever be asked if you can get there. Um, and so how do you get to that point? Yeah, that's the question. Well, number one, Dina, what is the next thing that Matthew 28 says 
after it says all authority has been given on us, given on earth has been given, go therefore make disciples. What's the next thing? Uh, to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Cool. So what is it? What, is, what does that mean to baptize somebody? Just in case somebody's out there and they go, I have no clue what that is. What baptizing means? Yeah. So, um, well, before you get baptized, you need to confess that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And then you go to find some water yeah. <laughs> and splash. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean splash? But what is splash? To be reborn, essentially. Like okay. it's very symbolic. Yeah. So it's a it's an outward symbol, an inward change. Um, but does splashing <laughs> in water, does that save you? No. No. It's but, all about the heart. So it is a symbol of the thing that's going on in the heart. It is, we believe in the assemblies of God. We believe in, in total submersion. Um, some people believe in sprinkling water on somebody as a, just a symbol of this thing. Either way, um, we won't go into that at this time, um, though total immersion is correct. But um, what we believe is that you are buried with Jesus as you go under the water. And as you come back up out of the water, that you're raised to newness of life. So you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, for the remission of sins, not that the water is the one that, that cleanses you from sin. It's Jesus that cleanses you from sin. But again, it's a symbol. Um, and so people say, well, then if it doesn't save me, why should I be baptized? And one of the first things that Jesus does that you see before his earthly ministry starts is that he's baptized. Um, and then Jesus commands it in the Great Commission. So the, the first command after he says, go make disciples of all nations, Doing what? Baptizing them. And so if Jesus commands it to be done, we should do it. And so if you've not been baptized, you should go be baptized. <laughs> it's fun. Yep. So question, Hunter Deal. Can anybody baptize people or should it only be pastors? Uh, I say anybody because if you know how to read, <laughs> it says go Therefore, so who's he talking to? He is talking to the disciples, the disciples, pastors. Well, we can argue that later. But the Great Commission is for us today as well. Go, therefore, baptizing, you know, people. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's a good point. Who is the Great Commission for? You just said it. Us, all people. Why do you say that? Because Christ is telling the people who's saying, hey, when you follow me, this is your next step. Go do this. Mm -hmm. That's what you should do. Yep. All authority given to Jesus, go therefore. He doesn't specify who. Um, he's he's telling everybody that's present, do it. And that is the kind of the running charge for people from that point forward. For he believers. Say stop. Yeah. For believers, wherever you are, um, until the end of the age, which is the end of what this thing says, until the end of the age, we should be going and we should be baptizing. And so, Dina, what do you think? Should it just be pastors or should it be anybody? Well, I mean, when you say anybody, do you mean like literally anyone? Well, I'm saying like, should do you have to be a clergyman or a priest to baptize people? I don't think so. I think as long as you are a believer following Jesus and you're out there making disciples, I mean, in Chi Alpha circles, the small group leaders do the baptizing of, you know, their small group people that ends up, you know, giving their life to Jesus. And I think that's so cool. Like I just saw mm, last week or the week before I saw somewhere, I can't remember. Virginia Tech. Yeah. They set up like a big cattle trough <laughs> <laughs> on the what looked like a corner of campus. I'm sure it's more significant than that. But um, yeah, they were out there just doing baptisms 
in front of everybody. I thought that was so cool to do it in front of everybody where everybody gets to witness what's going on. And that's not this scary thing. Yeah. Yeah. It is really cool. So my second favorite segment of this podcast is Hunter's rant session. (laughs) But it it stems from like the point of view of this question, Mm -hmm. not that you hold this point of view, but where this can kind of stem from is that, uh, we put things in the Bible that it doesn't say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like to call that legalism. <laughs> so mm-hmm. don't smirk at me like that. <laughs> uh, I'm uh, just smiling. That uh, was it. No, um, but we call that legalism. Mm-hmm. When I add rules God. to this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> when you add rules? Yeah, when you people add <laughs> rules to the Bible, um, that the Bible does not say, right? When we, we try to control people using scripture, that's what the Pharisees did. And that's who Christ condemned the most, rebuked the most, because they did this. Mm-hmm. So what on God's green earth would made you think that only clergymen could be the only ones to baptize? Does it say that? No, no. it doesn't say that. No. So I hear people all the time casting terrible remarks, at like Southland Church. I, I think it's great that Southland Church allows other people inside their church to baptize members. You never, ever hardly see a pastor baptizing them. Mm-hmm. It, They can, mm-hmm. they have, but they want the people who are close to them in their circles in this church to baptize them. And I don't say many great things about big mega churches, but that's one thing I like. I was, I've been present at many of them. It's just, it's a close moment in front of all these people. But, who, who, but you hear people criticize that all the time. And I'm like, Why? Why do, you, why do you do this? So quit putting rules in the Bible that the Bible doesn't say. You know, there's enough of them as it is. We don't need you to add any. I agree. Yeah, and if you look at the book of Acts, for instance, you see a bunch of people who are table waiters. They were the first deacons, right? But just deacon means servant. And the whole idea is that they were the ones who were giving bread to widows. Well, those people start going out into different places, and there's this persecution that happens, and it drives, for instance, this guy named Philip. He runs out into the, the Samaritan area. Um, and he, he runs across this guy and the guy gets saved. And when he does, the guy's like, what hinders me from being baptized? Philip says, nothing. Takes him down the water, dunks the feller, puts him back on his chariot, sends him on his way. Well, actually he dunks the feller. He goes up out of the water and Philip disappears, but you can read that story later. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, the point is if these guys are like table waiter people and they can be moved to the Holy Spirit and preach and, and baptize people and all that stuff, there's nothing that stops you uh, from doing that as well, the average listener. And so, baptizing, we believe it's anybody. Anybody can baptize. Um, and yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, and I want to jump right back up to disciple real quick in the same sense. Mm-hmm. It is the job of the one who is discipling uh, to encourage the new Christian to be obedient. Mm-hmm. Um that's where small groups come involved and everything else that well, you have a group of people who are around you who are in the word and who's saying you need to if you can't be obedient to this step are you going to be obedient to any of it you know because it's the first True. call to obedience yeah and you're called to do this so people's like well i don't feel like the water saves you and i don't feel like this what it doesn't matter what you feel like mm-hmm. the bible calls you to do this yeah so do it. Yep. I don't care if you hate water or not. Yep. Wear earplugs. Bible doesn't say you can't. <laughs> so it's just do it. Yeah, do it. And and that's the whole thing is that you have to be surrounded. I was talking about this in uh, the small group, or not small group, but the Bible study today. Um, we're in Hebrews chapter 3. Um, 
<clears throat> going verse by verse, like just writing out verses, what's it about? And so it talks about being, don't like not forsaking the gathering in some sense and um, exhort one another daily. And so we're like, what is this about? And it's the same regards is that we encourage each other every, what is that noise? Uh, that we encourage each other every single day to live the life of a Christian and to not sin and to be built up in the faith. And that's exactly what discipleship is about. Living life with one another every day, every day. And I think it's even in Hebrews three, where it says, while today is still called today, exhort one another daily, mm-hmm. um, talk to each other every day and build each other up, push each other to be more Christ-like, to carry your cross daily, to be obedient to what the word says. So if you have a person who's quote unquote discipling you and they're pushing you to be baptized, well, they're just pushy. No, they're calling you to be obedient mm-hmm. because Christ has called you to be obedient. If you're not willing to be obedient, red flag. Would you say that they're teaching them to observe all that Jesus has commanded us to do? Yes. Hey, guess what? That's the next part of the Great Commission. So not only are we baptizing, but we are also teaching. And so if we're going to make disciples of people, the idea is we're teaching them to observe all that Jesus has commanded, Um, which means, guess what? You have to teach them the whole counsel of God. In other words, all the Bible. Now, you may say, well, Ben, I don't know all the Bible. Well, guess what? You should read it. But we've harped on that plenty, (laughs) so we're going to move on. Um, Yeah, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. And how does that start, Hunter? How do you start teaching somebody to observe the commands of Jesus? You have to do it yourself. There you go. You can't expect somebody to do something you're not doing. And the the, the point is, is that if you're ever in a situation where Ben doesn't know the whole council, I don't know the whole council in the sense of mm. what everything means. <laughs> sorry. So smug, oh, I sorry. swear. Uh, but, you know, there's still things we have questions on. We, we, shoot, we shoot text. That is a cat. It is a cat. Uh this, but Ben will send me a text. I'll send him a text. We talked to our uh, Chris and we talked to Jerry and Ron and all the other elders at the church. And we're like, hey, what could this mean? And so there's a sense of like, we have an idea of what it means probably, but we want a consensus of what this means. Um, we listen to other pastors and there's nothing wrong with you doing that. There's nothing wrong with you saying, hey, listen, guys, I don't know what this means. In our new believers class, we just had the question of this. If... God, knowing everything before the foundation of the earth, why did he send the serpent into the garden, knowing that he was sinful and knowing that the garden was perfect, and sending the sinful being of the serpent in to try to tempt Adam and Eve, knowing that he was sinful and was going to do so? And you just kind of look at him, you know, and it's like, that's a great question. Next. And just <laughs> like, because there's some things we'll just never know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to be okay at saying that. You have to be you have to be confident enough in the Bible as being in the inerrant word of God and saying, Listen, I don't know, but I know it's true. Right. Now you don't want to stay that way. I don't I, you don't want to stay ignorant, quote unquote, to some types of scripture, but it's okay to be that confident and say, Listen, I can find out for you later. Yep. Yeah. Um first Corinthians eleven one, Paul says this really amazing statement. And the thing about this statement is I've heard people say, I would never make that statement because I don't know if I could follow through. Um, but Paul says in first Corinthians 11, one, follow me as I follow Christ. And you know, the thing about that is you, you should as a Christian be able to say that in many regards. Now, 
are, are you afraid you're going to screw up? Sure, I understand. But at the end of the day, you should be following Jesus as closely as possible. And if you screw up, guess what? It's a great time to teach somebody about repentance and the fact that Jesus is the great propitiation for our sins. All the stuff. Um, Do you get mad? Overly mad at sometimes? <laughs> In traffic? <laughs> <laughs> Do you, I mean, yes. is there times where you're, you know, you don't feel super spiritual that day? Yes. Where you read five chapters of the Bible instead of six in a day? Yes. Or none. Or none. Or you feel like you've hit a spiritual drought and that sometimes you feel like your prayers hit the ceiling and bounce back down. Mm-hmm. And you say, God, are you there listening to me? Mm-hmm. When the Bi- but the Bible says that God hears my prayers. I mean, is there times that we feel like this? Yes. Listen, we understand. But even in those moments of self-doubt, even in those moments of not feeling good enough, we have to realize all these things that we're not good enough, That but Christ loves us anyway, that you... Follow me as I follow Christ, because even in the down moments, I'm still following Christ. (coughs) Dina, so we've talked about uh, making disciples, that all authority in heaven and earth is given to Jesus, that he tells us to baptize and teaches, uh, and has us teach Mm -hmm. to observe all the commands that he's given us. What's the last thing that we should do according to the Great Commission? He says that I am with you always to the end of the age. Hmm. He is with us always to the end of the age. And so one of the things we believe that that means is that this command, as we've already talked about, doesn't go away, that he is with us and that this command goes to the end of the age. Um, now, it's funny if you look at this, this, this command, it is bookended with Jesus. He says, all authority in heaven and earth given to me. And then he ends it with, um, <coughs> he ends it, with, behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Hmm. So we do things by the authority of Jesus that he um, puts in us, we'll say it that way, that he, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Come on, help me out. He delegates to us. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but the authority that he delegates to us. Um, words are hard sometimes. I was going to say imputed, but. Oh, impu- oh, that's a good word, imputed. Look at that. that that's a, I've that, been reading books. I'm telling you. <laughs> Five. See, Hunter, that's why reading is important. There you go. $5 theological words found in books. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but all authority in heaven and earth is given to, to Jesus, and we go under that authority, but then it finishes again, sorry, by saying um, that we um, have Jesus with us always. Now, I think the significance of that is I really think that it all comes down to this idea that if we'll operate under the authority of Jesus and do what he commands us to do, that we can't fail. Now, before we started this recording, we were talking a little bit about the parable of the sower. And I take the parable of the sower, yes, I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff, but one of the things that I see in the parable of the sower is the very end of it. The parable of the sower, Matthew 13, 4 through 9, as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. One of the things that I see at the end of the parable of the sower is that the seed that's cast on good soil produces a hundredfold, or sixty, or thirtyfold. It multiplies it does the thing that the seed is cast out there to do 
And the Bible tells us in Isaiah 55, for instance, that just as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return without watering the earth, making it bud and flourish and giving seed to the sower, bread to the eater and all this stuff. Um, so is the word of God. It won't return void, but it'll accomplish the purpose that, that God has put it forth into the world to do. And so what I think that, that that bookend means on the Great Commission is I think that when we operate in the authority of Jesus and do what he says and he's with us to the end of the age, I don't think we can fail. Now, is it going to be hard sometimes? Yeah. Are people not going to listen to us all the times? Yeah. Will we experience hardships? Yes. The Bible tells us that by many tribulations will enter the kingdom of heaven. So yeah, it's not going to be sunshine and rainbows and all this stuff, but guess what? If you'll do what the Bible says, you won't fail. There's this guy, his name's Meyer Perlman. Um, and he was a missionary to China. And what you see is that he really never saw a whole lot of converts. It was one of those things where he lived his whole life, all of his days out trying to make converts and he never got them. But one of the last things that happened in his life, he passed away, so it wasn't actually in his life. He passed away, but he had this plot of ground that he wanted to be buried on. He was buried there. And because of his burial on this plot of ground, the church that sprang up in that region later, after he had died, grew and needed a place to worship. And because his grave was on that site and it was a Christian grave, there was nothing the government could do about it. And there's a church that exists right beside his grave to this day because of his faithfulness to stay there and even be buried there. And so you never know. You never know what could happen in your life. But what we do know is this. If you'll follow Jesus, you can't fail. Yeah, and I think that's 100% true. And Romans 9 even tells us that does the word of God come back? Does it, does, did it fail mm -hmm. when the Israelites didn't believe? No. Yeah. He says, by no means. By the no strongest means. phrase in the Hebrew language, by no means. Yeah. Um, no, it does not. So when people reject you, whenever you're spreading this the gospel message, did the word of God fail? No. Um, for the gospel is the power of God for unto men for salvation. For salvation. Romans one sixteen to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Yeah, and so they listen. Why did why is this by the means that God saves His people? Why? I don't know. It's above my pay grade. Mm -hmm. Why doesn't God just make it happen? Bury it into their hearts. I don't know. That's His decision. It's a personal relationship with his creation that he wants to have. And it's a faith thing, again, above my pay grade. But ultimately, this is the way he's called it to be done. And now if he said, do it while doing handstands, by God, I'd be believing, I'd be learning how to do handstands. But he did. So thank you. Praise because my arms are not that strong. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to, here's the thing, is that there has to be a boldness to do this. So, Ben or Dina, where do we find this boldness to do this the holy spirit because you cannot do this without the holy spirit mm -hmm. if you do this without the holy spirit i promise you give it a short short time you'll burn out you'll mm -hmm. fizzle out yep because you're doing it on your strength and your strength isn't good enough so what does the holy spirit intends look like how do you know if i'm doing it on my strength or if i'm doing it on the holy spirit strength what does that look like you just said it burnout that's the big thing. Right. I mean, it's easy to tell when you do do anything spiritually by your own strength. The worst sermons I've ever preached, I've done by my own power. Um, the best sermons I've ever preached are actually the best sermon I ever preached. 
was the one that I um, would say that I least, I don't want to say that I least prepared for it. It was the one I prayed about the most, but didn't study about the most. Um, and God took the prayer that I prayed and man, best sermon ever preached, right? Um, easiest sermon ever preached because God was the one who was doing the empowering. God was the one who was doing the work. Um, so but if I have to rely on my strength, yes, I fail right every time. Yep. Like I, there is some natural ability that I have. Um, just none of it's very good. Uh, <laughs> that's my wife. It's just not, it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm just me. Mm-hmm. Right. But when I'm empowered by the Holy spirit, things change. Yeah, it is. And this is a hunter hunterism. When we act in the Holy Spirit, when you're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, you see the will of God being done. Mm. Um, Because that's when God moves. God is working through you, using you as a vessel. When I work on my behalf and I use my strength and I'm doing what I think God wants to happen, I'm usually interrupting the will of God Mm -hmm. because I don't think like God. Right. So you have to not be scared. So I have a problem with some charismatics, they go too hard and heavy in the uh, uh, realm of the Holy Spirit, right? We talked about this the other day, where my, my charismatic friends say I'm too I'm too Baptist, and my Baptist friends say I'm too charismatic, so I, f- I feel like I fall straight in this middle line. Um, but you have to be able to to, to walk in this and, and embrace it, and you have to learn about this. And that's where I think the Baptists miss the mark, is that they're almost scared of this Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. that they don't realize that He is a third being of the triune God. Mm-hmm. He is just as much God as the Father is, and as yeah. the Son is. Yeah. And that you can't be afraid of what the Holy Spirit might do in your life. Mm-hmm. You have to embark and, and, and relish in this and seek Him. Um, if you're doing it with, a lot of people are just doing it on the strength of just the the two uh, levels of God and using the Holy Spirit as a helper. Mm-hmm. And he's a, he's a third level of the Godhead. Yep. You know, there are two times in scripture that it, <clears throat> at the beginning of something, when you should be running out and doing things, God tells you to wait mm-hmm. at the beginning of the creation of the world. God creates everything, man, woman included. And then he's like, and we're going to rest. And if I'm man and woman and I've just been created, I, there are things I want. I want to run out and I want to see some animals. I want to pet a zebra. I want to do all kinds of stuff. <laughs> God tells me to rest and have a Sabbath with him, right? Mm-hmm. It's interesting that the very first thing after the creation of this new church, Jesus is resurrected. I'm ready to go out and probably tell the world about it because I've seen a risen Savior who was dead and who is now alive. And it is crazy to me. And the first thing that Jesus says, he says, don't go anywhere. Wait in Jerusalem for the promised Holy Spirit. I don't think that's a coincidence. It's it's profound to me that Jesus tells them to wait for the Holy Spirit. There's a reason why he does that. And so we talked about obedience, and they were obedient. The, the original disciples were. And they were obedient because they were waiting on the power of the Holy Spirit to come and help them be witnesses. And that's what we have to do as well. And, and remember, Christ is saying this right before his ascension. Yeah. So he's saying... Do all the things that I, uh, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. How is he with us? Through what? Through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. He actually says that it is better that he goes away because if he doesn't go away, the Holy Spirit can't These come. These disciples were terrified. Yep. Christ was just killed, you know, 40 days later. He's still here, but he's like, hey, 
I'm going to prepare a place for you mm-hmm. and I'll be back. But until then, hold down the fort. And, and here's but, the Holy Spirit to help. Right. Yeah. And so, and you don't know what this is going to look like, but wait for it. Yeah. Trust me enough to wait for it. And he says, I'll be with you to the end of the age. And we are still waiting mm-hmm. for the end of the age. Yep. <clears throat> now, but we are comforted by the comforter because mm-hmm. we, there's times we long for Christ. So when that's, we have to wait and rely on the Holy Spirit to do that. Um, now, last 10%. Last 10%. Ben, go. Yay. Um, so I was listening to a sermon today on the parable of the talents, right? Um, there's given to one person five talents and another three talents and another one talent. And the master says, uh, I'm going on a journey and I'll be back. And so the guy who has five invests the five talents, gets five more. The guy who has the three talents invests the three talents, gets three back. And, and when, they, when the master comes, they give them the 10, the five that they were given and the five that they earned. The guy who has the three gives them the three that they earned and the three that they were given. The guy with one who doesn't invest it is the only person out of the three people who fails. And it's because he's not bold enough to take the risk and invest his talent to do anything with it. He buries it in the ground. I think that's significant because what you see is if you'll be bold enough to take the risk, again, can't fail. In God's economy, you don't fail when you'll invest everything that you have for the kingdom of God. And so what I'm telling you is this, give it away, do the stuff, go start a Bible study, go do the thing that God's telling you to do, go do kids ministry because it's awesome. Go do whatever God is telling you to do because when you'll do that, if you'll, if you'll let the Lord work through you, can't fail. That's my last 10%. Dana? Yeah, kind of piggy piggybacking off of what Ben was saying is that it definitely takes that boldness of stepping out and talking to somebody. Um, I see so many people that want to go disciple people, but for some reason they get scared that someone's not going to like them or they're not going to have the answers for it. But if you just listen to the Holy Spirit and let him guide you, he'll give you the words to say and the wisdom that you need. And you know what? If you don't know the answer to it, say, just be bold enough to say, you know, that's a great question. And I will get back with you later about that. And yeah. You know, uh, I used to say that at church all the time. I used to get real nervous all the time. But I've now learned to say, I have said probably the most stupid things I'm ever going to say. So it can't get more dumb than what I've already got done saying. (laughs) It's all appeal for me. It's all appeal. You've seen the worst. Okay, so... I could just if I get up there and wing it, it's going to be better than what I've already said. And that's probably I probably prepared what I said that was dumb. No, but um, it's the same mentality that listen, you as you as it's called being faithful, right? Doing what you are told. Um, I think it's Hebrews eleven says this is what faith is, right? And he, and he literally says Abraham went to the where God told him to, not knowing where it was or what was there. That is the definition of faith. <clears throat> we, you can see this in the disciples. Wait, I'm sending somebody. You don't know what it is. You don't know how it's going to feel. You don't know what it's going to look like. But go and do what I just said. And they went and did it. That's faith. You don't know what all authority on heaven and earth looks like. You do not know what making disciples looks like because it can look different every time. 
You don't know what baptizing people may look like if this is your first time doing it. <clears throat> but faith is doing it. Go do it. And you have to be obedient. And if you're not in a position where you're being or discipling someone, but you're being discipled and you're waiting on something to kick you in the hind end and tell you to be faithful, <laughs> be faithful. This is your kick in the hind end. Right. You, Go do it. So I grew up Baptist and my mom, I would ask her about how do you know when you're ready to get saved? And she would talk about the Holy Spirit and she's like, it's like a wind and you just feel it. And so at the end of uh, my church's you know, whenever they would do the altar call, I'd be sitting there waiting for like this big, huge fan wind blow. And I'm like, where is it? Like, I guess it's not now. Like, <laughs> and, and you're uh, just walking down a meadow and you're like, huh, what was that? No, Who the wind? All my point is, is that Christ has called us to multiple things, called us to love people, called us to do all, I mean, multitudes of things. But what does he call us to do? He calls us to disciple and baptize, mm-hmm. and if you're not in the position where you're ready to disciple, then you are in a ready. You are in a position where you're ready to get baptized. And I am not one of these people who say, "Listen, if you die on your deathbed, if you die on your deathbed, not just getting saved, and you don't get baptized, do I think you went to hell?" No, of course not. But I do call it a red flag down the road if you've been saved for 52 years and you've never been baptized because you're like, "I don't like water." Yep. It's an obedient to Christ thing. Yep. I don't care if he said jump out of airplanes when airplanes weren't invented yet. <laughs> go do it. And to be saved, I'd be heading right out there. If he said tie cinder blocks to you while you do it. All right. People call that dumb and foolish. I call that faith. It says what it is. It's a good point. I'd make a big hole in the ground. It's a good, it's a good final 10%. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. All right, Dina. You know what time it is? Dina's fun fact. Hunter's Ooh. random question has gone away. So now it's time for Dina's So question. long, farewell. Da, 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 da. Uh, All right. So since we're talking about the Great Commission, I have some questions for you. Um, let's see here. I have it right here. And it goes along with this information mostly comes from, um, which we've seen very similar similar articles and like publications from the assemblies of God, but this one actually comes from the gospel coalition. So Hunter can be happy. (laughs) So my reformed brother, you unite. Do you know, (laughs) and this is kind of an unfortunate thing. It's not really like super like, yay. Um, how many unreached people groups are there in the world? If you had to guess, I kind of know how many people groups there are in total. (laughs) (laughs) 422,712. Hunter? 472,013th. There are 6,741 people groups in the world. And the definition of an unreached people group is a population that has less than 2% of evangelical Christians in their group. Mm. So it's not like 6,000 people. This is like... Populations of people, of people with like less than 2%. Yeah. So, um, and this 6,741 people groups make up about 42% of the global population, which is about 3.14 billion people. Wow. So 42% of the world's population has 2% Christians or less. 
And this is very disturbing to me. Less than 1% of full-time Christian workers are ministering to these groups. Mm. And I found that across multiple different websites when it was talking about unreached people groups, is that less than 1% of missionaries actually reach or actually go and strive toward these unreached people groups. I I saw this in the... By God's providence, I guess. But it was just the other day. I mean, it might even been this morning. It was just that recent. Um, I was, was reading from ChristiansUnite.com. Um, it's found it on Facebook. Never heard of it. But it kind of goes along with this. It was showed a graph of where most Christians are, where most Christian missionaries are, where most Christian money is spent. Hmm. And, um, where, and then it was like where most lost people are, where missionaries are needed. Um, and where Christianity is a band it had like all these different charts and then it flooded these colors over one another um, and all, I mean all of it nearly all of it is like America and Australia mm. and like Canada wow and you have like a need, like nothing, nothing is spent hardly in Russia. Nothing hardly spent in the Middle East. Nothing's hardly spent. Like our money is just not going there hmm. because American, uh, Americans, listen, I love America, but we're self-minded. I think about my needs and my needs only. This, that, that causes statistics like that. Hmm. It, it is the point. That's what I love about our church is we support 21 missionaries all around the world, you know. Including... Including America. American mysteries. Right. We, like, we, like Ben and Dean. Ben and Dean. Woo. Yeah, and we actually reach an unreached people group at EKU, according to the statistics of how many evangelical Christians that's not are on saying, campus. And that's not saying that Americans don't need to be reached by the gospel. That's not what I'm saying at all. Oh, no, yeah. There's 300 million people in America, and I would, by God, probably argue that there's only about 20 million that's truly saved. I mean, <laughs> somewhere around a decent number of that. Yeah. Because... Narrow is the way, and the gates are hard to open, and broad is the path that many will be led to destruction. Uh, true Christianity is hard to find in mm-hmm. the sense of in the heart of a believer. Um, so, we it's not wrong to give to American missionaries, but what we're saying is that we can't be shocked at statistics like that when we're not looking outside of our bubble. True. So true. It's very so, sad. We definitely need to have some heart changes and. Instead of praising all of these celebrities that are going crazy, we need to be lifting up these missionaries. Yep. Heart change. Heart change. Ben, so next week, Dina won't be here. Well, no, she won't. But what I want to mm-hmm. do yes. is I want you and I, nothing theologically deep <laughs> in the sense like we'll be here for three hours. Okay. But I want three biblical questions from each of us and we'll ask each other. Okay. Can, can I give you three biblical questions? You're not going to be here. No, but this like, is a Dina free podcast. It could it could shoot phone in, phone a friend. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and what about Dina's fun facts? What are we going to do about that? What is it? We'll give you the. Listen, one. I will just record it and put it on Ben's <laughs> phone, and Ben's phone can play it through, or I'll type it up. Here we go. Okay, there you go, and I'll read it or something. Yes, we'll figure. Yes. It out. Okay. Cool. I don't believe you. What? You don't believe me? What? That I'll record it? No. Why? Because you'll forget. All right, children. So no, anyway. well, I'm the one who remembered that we were doing a podcast tonight. Um, no, I remembered because somebody, one of my friends, was wanting to do something. I was like, "This is podcast night." Every Thursday, guys. Every Thursday. Every Thursday. Don't look at me. I'm the one who reminded him. 
I was going to take her to a movie. <laughs> I was like, we don't have horse routine practice. You know what we should do? We should go see that movie you want to see. And Dina goes, wait, what time is it going to get out? Because aren't we recording an episode of the podcast? And I was like, we are. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm glad that Ben loves you guys so much that he just forgets about it. <laughs> it's not that. It's tens of a, listeners. I love my wife. And it's, Hey, real quick before we go, what? if you've made it this long, then bless you. Uh <laughs> So at the new year, we mm-hmm. just broke a thousand, right? We had. So we, I mean, I co- so that last week of like Christmas, I called it the road of a, to a thousand. Yep. And then when I say a thousand, I mean a thousand listens across all of our podcasts that we've ever done. Um, so a collective group of that. Well, now we're on the road to two thousand. We are, and this is we're we're just in April. Yep. We're April. a little over a hundred plays away. Mm-hmm. So. So tell your friends, tell your coworkers, tell your people you don't even like. Maybe they'll get saved and you'll like them better. <laughs> so, so, so the road to 2000 starts today, like in the sense of like, that's the mindset. So we want to, uh, we like to see it grow, not for our own self benefit, but we do believe that we preach the true gospel. And I, I hate that I even have to say true gospel because anything outside of that is not a gospel at all. Um, the Bible doesn't mention many gospels. It mentions one gospel, but we do believe that we preach the true gospel and um, people can get saved through that gospel. So Hunter, if we make it to 2000, what are we going to do? Find a new creative director. <laughs> what? Oh. Why am I getting fired? I don't know. You don't want me to do intros before the intro. You don't like my ads why, or something. I that's don't why, know. That's why Ben's here like to keep me facts. in check. Ben is here to keep me in check. That's why you haven't been fired. You're the one who invited me to originally be on this podcast. It was the savior feelings. <laughs> <laughs> the word we're looking for is anyway. Thank you guys for listening today. And if you're not listening today, then you'll be listening tomorrow. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that if they're listening to this right now, they're listening to whatever today is for them. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for giving me all that hole. You're welcome. Hey, you know what? Today is the day that the Lord has made. We miss you already. I will read And we don't know what next week's about. And bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Altar You're listening. Be sure to join us next week for a brand new episode. Also, be sure to join us on the Altered Podcast Facebook page for updates and other cool content. See you next week.